Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility presents the Vermont Conversation with David Goodman, exploring ideas with innovators, changemakers, business leaders, politicians, and activists. This special feature from Vermont Businesses for Social Responsibility is underwritten in part by the Alchemist Brewery of Waterbury and Stowe, proud B Corp, using the power of business to support a clean environment and economic opportunity for all. Vermont Student Assistance Corporation. VSAC helps students of all ages save, plan, and pay for college and career training with education and career planning services, need-based grants, scholarships, low-cost education loans, and Vermont's official 529 college savings plan. Green Mountain Power, delivering clean, cost-effective, and highly reliable power to customers and offering cutting-edge products and services to reduce costs and carbon. UVM Medical Center, Burlington, Vermont, the heart and science of medicine. Norwich Solar Technologies, providing complete clean energy services to Vermont schools, towns, nonprofits, and businesses. Concept 2, designers and manufacturers of Concept 2 rowing oars, indoor rower, ski erg, and bike erg, and proud to support nonprofit groups such as the Green Mountain Club. Let's Grow Kids, a statewide campaign about the need for more high-quality, affordable childcare in Vermont to better support our children, families, communities, and economy. And nearly 700 VBSR business members who believe that sustainable business practices value people, planet, and profit. Learn more at www.vbsr.org. Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. As Vermont grapples with the COVID-19 crisis, volunteers are stepping forward to play key roles in their communities. This week on the Vermont Conversation, we will spend the hour talking with Vermonters who are involved in mutual aid and community-level response to the pandemic. In our first half hour, we're joined by three guests. Allison Levin is the Executive Director of Community Harvest of Central Vermont, and she's currently deployed to head up the volunteer coordination team for the Washington and Northern Orange Counties Regional Response Command Center. Carrie Stoller is the Director of Community Engagement at Green Mountain United Way, and Monique Priestley is, the, uh, is with Bradford Resilience, a mutual aid group in Bradford. Uh, thanks to all of you for joining us on the Vermont Conversation. I want to start with Allison. Uh, Allison, tell me about, uh, you had a, a long uh, introduction there, morphing from uh, the Executive Director of Community Harvest of Central Vermont, uh, and now playing a different role. Explain what happened to you. Um, well, um, I've, I've been working as um, the organization Community Harvest of Central Vermont is the regional gleaning program here in, in Washington and northern Orange County, and um, I've been founded that organization and working with many volunteers over the years through that work, supporting um, all of our farms and um, nonprofits feeding people with fresh local food, and, and that has um, transitioned into supporting this um, regional response command um, going through the northern and orange no- Washington and Northern Orange Counties, which is a mouthful. We're uh, we're calling that uh, Wanock Rock for uh, for short. And um, because of my connections with with many volunteers that I already have been working with and systems I had in place, um, I was asked to to help in um, spearheading that and getting some volunteers on the ground really quickly to make sure that um, people are getting served right away. And now we're building up that team and expanding to working with many partners. So for people who don't know what gleaning is, explain what it is and, and why it has, uh, you know, put at your fingertips uh, 
many, you know, hundreds, if not uh, a thousand volunteers? What it is about gleaning that um, makes well, it so capital and the people intensive? Yeah, so gleaning is um, goes you know way back to biblical times. It's really collecting the surplus that that farmers aren't able able to sell, but it's still very nutritious food from local farms. So sometimes it's just picking it up from farms, but many times it's going out into the fields and harvesting. So that requires a lot of of hands many times. And so and people really like to get out in the community and do things outdoors and serve their um, neighbors in need. And gleaning is a great way for people to do that. And so we've been building up our volunteer base over the last seven years. And so we have you know many volunteers that are excited about that work and the transition to supporting all of our partners that are continuing to help feed the community was a natural transition for those volunteers to help with that. And we're adding others who want to expand and do all the other kinds of needs that are that are happening. So not just focusing on food, but all the needs um, that is happening in the community and supporting all of our partners in doing that. And through the, the Regional Response Command, um, you know, we're supporting that effort. So explain what some of the needs that your volunteers are now being dispatched to fill uh, through the command center. Um, so the command center is really working to address, you know, all the different needs um, in the community. It's a partnership between the Thrive Partners, um, which is an accountable um, community of health group, and that was set up through a consortium of dozens of social service agencies and wellness groups um, working together to prov- provide um, health to the people in the community. So, you know, food is a very important piece of that, and then there's also um, addressing issues around housing, uh, transportation, um, you know, medical, obviously, so all these different aspects. So right now we're working to per- provide um, volunteers to deliver meals to those uh, people who are homeless who are being housed in temporary housing. We're working with some of the schools who need uh, supplemental volunteers to, uh, to bolster their systems and make sure that everyone is being safe. Um, we're collecting volunteers for the call center to help um, field calls in, in our region. So a combination of different things, whatever our partners are asking our help for or whatever, whatever um, uh, the Wanak Rock is doing you know, as a, a group effort as well. Well, let's uh, talk to Carrie Stoller, uh, Director of Community Engagement with Green Mountain United Way. Carrie, explain uh, United Way's changing roles, what it's done in the past, and what you're doing in response to the uh, COVID pandemic. Yeah, thanks, David, for having us on. Um, so Green Mountain United Way and, and all of the United Ways around the state um, are really seeing this huge upswell in interest from volunteers. Um, Nearly every United Way in every county operates some kind of volunteer connection system where we have worked over the course of years to help the nonprofits in our community access volunteer energy. So those volunteers could just be community members. We often work with businesses who offer their employees volunteer time off. and have a whole sort of network that each of us is able to access when organizations uh, have opportunities that arise. Um, Right now, what we're seeing is sort of the reverse of that, where we're seeing a huge wave of volunteer energy and the nonprofit sector really working hard to shift the way that they operate because of the COVID-19 crisis from a lot of hands-on work, like Allison was talking about, that her organization does, to hands-off work or 
remote opportunities or ways that volunteers can continue to support their community, but where everyone can put the rate safety protocols in place so that, that things are done in a way that's um, still serving the needs of those served by our nonprofit partners, but is doing it in a way that's safe for both the volunteers and the nonprofits. A lot now, of that... Yeah, explain. You you, uh, you work with a lot of seniors who are kind of the backbone of the volunteer networks, but there's a special challenge right now in deploying seniors. Explain what that situation is. Well, I think all of us would like to see all of our seniors able to stay home and stay safe, just like the governor's order um, says. And so many, many, many of the volunteers who keep nonprofit organizations humming and are doing a lot of really important work, um, whether it's food service or companionship or Meals on Wheels, um, you know, a lot of that work is done by folks who are also seniors or who are retired, who have that time. We in Vermont have a, an older population, and those people are often the ones who have available time to give to their communities. But right now, we want them to stay home. And so what what a lot of organizations are having to do is um, look at ways to onboard new, younger, healthy volunteers who are less at risk for COVID-19 um, quickly and efficiently, um, but also steward them through, you know, any sort of training process they might have or a background check process. Um, so they're not necessarily going to be doing something immediately, but they want to make sure that those volunteers are lined up and ready to roll as soon as those needs happen. Is this, are you kind of in preparation mode or are you already uh, seeing volunteers going out? It's a little bit of both. You know, we're seeing volunteers filling those roles that seniors can't um, or shouldn't be, but we're also seeing organizations who are saying to us, you know, we have enough we have enough Meals on Wheels drivers right now, but we need to have a pool of substitutes in case someone gets sick. Or, you know, a lot of the schools are looking at these food delivery systems that they've very rapidly put in place to serve two meals a day to every student in their district. Um, but they're saying, gosh, if anyone who's helping to do that food service uh, gets sick, has a family member that gets sick, it simply needs to change their schedule. If any of those small pieces shift or move, we need a backup plan. We need volunteers to step in to help us. And so we're talking to a lot of schools and districts about how they can put that procedure in place because most of them don't use volunteers for food service. So organizations are really having to look at the work that they do differently and think about how volunteers fit into that. Well, let's bring in Monique Priestley. Uh, Monique is with Bradford Resilience, and prior to this, or I should say why, while she's doing this, she's also the founder and executive director of Space on Main. Monique, welcome to the Vermont Conversation. Yeah, thank you. So talk about what you're doing in Bradford to prepare and in the, in the course of the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. So um, right now we've kind of coordinated um, a multi-sector kind of call weekly um, with people um, handling. We kind of broke up into small teams. We probably have 30 people um, from like emergency management, uh, food access, the schools, the churches, and things like that. Um, we actually just got off that call. 
Um, so we, we meet and just kind of give each other updates on what's going on um, and talk through any problems that anybody has. Um, and then we have a, a volunteer effort. Um, in Bradford, we have 75 volunteers signed up, and uh, we meet weekly as well. We have uh, team leads, so there's a team of <laughs> team of team leads uh, that meets, and they're each, they each have like 10 people assigned to them. Um, and then as the idea is, we haven't had too many needs come in, um, but the idea is as needs come in, uh, they'll kind of be fielded by the team leads who will then work with their, their teams to get those needs met. What kind of needs, uh, even though there's not, you know, a, a deluge of them, but what are you yeah. seeing so far? Yeah, so so far it's things like um, people who um, are self-isolating at home or are vulnerable um, that need things like delivered to the post office. I've mailed a few packages <laughs> or had people pick those up for people. Um, grocery deliveries and, and medication pickups, um, as well as just odd things like somebody needed their CB radio uh, dropped off for a part fixing. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so little things like that. Huh. And what are you anticipating uh, in your community are going to be some of the needs? Yeah, so definitely there's been more people talking about, so definitely groceries, definitely medication drop-offs. Um, but then things like um, even talking today just about peer-to-peer, -peer, um, well, peer-to-peer -peer like calls um, for people who just really need somebody to check in on them and to have a conversation with somebody they might not be the people who are hopping on endless Zoom calls all day. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And so they just need to talk through what's going on. Um, and some, like, grief counseling is another thing that just came up. Um, and just looking ahead at as things get worse, like, what do people, what kinds of supports are going to pe people going to need? Um, and then things like if there's older people who, you know, haven't had their lawns taken care of or uh, their pets, locked or something like that, like little things like that that are just our everyday um, lives and people are going to need more assistance with that. And, and tell me a little bit about what you do uh, that leads you to kind of put yourself in the center of the action here. Yeah. Um, so uh, as as the space on Maine, um, so we're a co-working center, um, but also really a community center. Um, so we have... Um, People come in and work for their day-to-day -day jobs, but we also have rooms that different organizations come and um, rent by the hour. Um, and so there's a lot of free public, free and public events that happen, um, and like community forums and statewide kind of um, discussion forums. Um, so that that kind of already happens. And then I'm also on a number of different boards and commissions um, locally, regionally, and statewide. Okay, uh, Allison Levin, um, you're with the you know the regional command center. I understand the command center has set up a, a hotline for people to call. Um, can you say a little bit about what that what role that plays? Yeah, so um, as of um, last Friday, we have um, a call center set up, and that is is really just to be um, another um, resource for the local community to help. Um, address needs that they might have. So not non-critical needs, but essential services, so how we can um, support um, individuals um, and others in, in what they might need. So some of those same kind of requests that, that might be coming through the mutual aid groups, you know, we might get some of those, but also some larger ones or also people that might want to volunteer, you know, reaching out that way. Um, and so that's a place where we've utilized a bunch of volunteers and also um, 
we'll be we're receiving those requests and then really hoping to work with all of our um, amazing partners on the ground and all the mutual aid groups in the local towns and other organizations, large and small, to address whatever needs come through that and how we can best really be a, just a central point to uh, facilitate those communications. And so, you know, if someone needs um, something in the Matter of Valley or, you know, in Plainfield, we can connect with those mutual aid groups who are doing great work in those communities um, to help them address that need because they obviously know much more about those communities and what, um, who lives where and who has the best connections with those people. So we just really want to be a central point for that and, and helping people at the call center um, answer questions similar to what they might be asking from 211 but we might have some more local information on the ground that we can provide them. Are people already utilizing that call-in line, and if so, what for? Um, yes, they, they, they are, and we're still uh, you know, trying to quickly work out the kinks and getting that system up and running smoothly, And but we, we are getting calls in. We've had you know um, a number of calls over this last weekend, and... Um, training those staff of volunteers to, to make that happen. And the kinds of requests are, are similar to the ones that the other people have mentioned. There's, you know, some of our partners asking for people to help, you know, get groceries for people. There's, you know, one person got some a delivery of something on their doorstep that wasn't theirs and wanted us to help fi figure out where it belonged. I'm not sure how we're going to do that, but we'll keep working on it. And um, requests to donate things like masks and how we can connect those with the great groups that need those um, those kind of things. I'm Carrie Stoller from uh, United Way. Uh, I'm wondering how you're positioned to, uh, you know, deal with the social isolation that people are experiencing. What can volunteers or others do to help with that? You know, there's a number of different things that organizations are looking at, and I think Monique touched on one of them, which is the phone tree. Um, there are a lot of the sort of mutual aid on the ground organizations looking at that model. And so I'm going to let her talk about that. But um, the other thing that we're seeing um, is primarily from the senior centers uh, or the, and, the, and the councils on aging because they are really in touch with the population who has always struggled with social isolation. Um, and there, there are a few different ways that they've addressed that and, you know, there isn't a great answer to that question. You know, Meals on Wheels drivers have always been a great touch point for people who receive those meals. It's sometimes, you know, the one person that folks way out on the back side of a mountain on a dirt road see in a day is the, the driver delivering their Meals on Wheels wheel, uh, meal. But now that we can't, you know, go in and visit and drop off the meals, um, we're looking at ways to sort of do a safety check for those people when those meals are delivered. Some routes are being limited now, so there's no longer daily distribution. There might be every two days or every four days or in some really rural areas. It might be once a week. We're, you know, seeing folks deliver seven meals instead of one a day. You know, if that person who's receiving that meal falls or is having a really tough time, seeing someone once every seven days is not a solution. So folks are looking at ways to get... Um, phone numbers for all of those people and utilize volunteers who were otherwise doing um, social supports or going into, into folks' homes and, you know, doing work with them, uh, becoming sort of phone support people and using the tools that folks are already familiar with. You know, not everybody is ready to hop on the Internet and uh, 
and do a video chat. So a lot of places are looking at the good old-fashioned telephone um, and how we can use that to keep in touch. And uh, sort of my favorite story based on that idea of using the phone is um, there's a volunteer in the Northeast Kingdom who teaches uh, a class, a Tai Chi class, that's a fall reduction class for seniors. And the idea is that, that, you know, they do this exercise class once or twice a week, and it helps them maintain balance and strength. Well, while they're all isolated in their homes, they can't do that class. And so this volunteer decided that they were going to put a conference call together so that everyone who knew the Tai Chi moves already could use her voice cues and do the moves themselves at home so they could stay healthy and maintain their balance and maintain their muscle tone. Um, and they could all be connected to one another because those classes are such a social time for a lot of the folks who attend them. I just thought that was a really great example of how to, to maintain social connection in this sort of physically isolating time. Hmm. Uh, well, Monique Priestley uh, from Bradford Resilience, um, you got uh, queued up there by Carrie uh, to talk about you know, just at the, the real grassroots community level, how in the Bradford community you're finding ways or others are finding ways to address social isolation? Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, so a few things. Um, like we just uh, talked with the library and they actually were, um, with the health clinic, they're actually thinking about doing like a Zoom call or some other type of call for people to um, attend, to just talk through um, what people might be going through and how they might deal with those kind of things. Um, I know the churches are still, uh, they're reaching out to each one of their people, uh, their members in their churches. Um, the schools are doing, the teachers are still in touch, and then they're doing um, drop-offs of meals several times a week. Um, and, um, yeah, I think otherwise, like like the Space on Main, we're doing programming on, like, how to do a Zoom call, uh, or we're also doing uh, weekly just just for fun coffee kind of chats, which have had like 12 people call in to each of those on Friday mornings, um, and it's always a completely random <laughs> group of people from different towns, um, but really who just want to see somebody and talk to somebody and laugh with somebody um, for an hour. So uh, little things like that. Hmm. Um Alice and Levin, uh, you're, uh, you know, potentially in the listening audience are people who may want to volunteer. What uh, should they do? Um, well, depending on what their interests are, you know, we're certainly, um, you know, fielding those people and, and trying to find the best places for them. And many times it's with many of our partners in the community um, and working with their requests. So if people are interested, they can, they can certainly reach out to us. Um, and, and emailed me directly at allison.levin at, <clears throat> at wanakrock.org, um, and we can certainly provide that. And um, we'll, we'll let them know there's a couple different options. They can get on you know, a list to just be available to drive things around, or if there's particular things that they want to help with, we'll take note of that and, and, and reach out to them when those opportunities become available. And, or they can just sign up through my online um, platform that I'm using, normally would be using for my gleaning program, um, to just hear about the opportunities and decide if it's something that works for them. But they can certainly get involved that way at Community Harvest. Org and, and check out the page for volunteers and, and see if there's things that they would want to get involved in and, and register there, and, and then they can 
then decide if it's something that works for them. And as we get opportunities like Carrie's talking about that peer-to-peer communication or those kind of things for the seniors that really want to help um, but aren't able to go out into the community, that's really great. And I know there's a lot of need right now for people to be making masks. And I know some of the other mutual aid groups may mention that, but you know, doing sewing projects, getting the quilting groups and um, those who are great at doing that kind of work, getting people activated and, and connecting with the groups of people that are making masks is, is a great way to do things from home. And what is the hotline number for people to call? So the hotline number is 802-636-2025. 802-636-2025. And that can be used by people who are interested in volunteering or who need help of any kind. Yes, certainly. Um, what would you say to people? I mean, people are at home, they're listening to the radio, watching TV, wondering, you know, thinking, well, they don't have any particular skills. Um, But what would you say to just regular community folks? I'd say that that there's there's a place for everyone to get involved in in different ways and, and lots of flexibility in that. It doesn't require, you know, always going out and doing things. And so, you know, if something someone really wants to be involved, um, we're happy to look to find the best place for them and connect them with the groups of people that are doing things that, that fit with their interests and abilities, um, no matter any age or um, interests at this point in time. Is there an area of particular need right now? Um, I think generally we're, we're, we're seeing, starting to see a lot of um, needs for things like picking up and dropping off things like groceries and other things, and we'll have a, a bunch of our partners are wanting to have those people on call so when they start getting those requests. So that's something if people are going out anyway and they can do a little bit of extra um, for those for the people that it's safe to do that, um, we really encourage people to let us know and we'll get you on our list for that. Um, and then um, there's a different other opportunities that come along and they're sort of ever-changing, um, as Carrie indicated. And um, there's there's lots of things that we're still figuring out the best ways to get these new systems in place. But certainly Meals on Wheels is another one for those who are willing to be going out and doing things and, and have some flexibility in their ability to do that. Okay. Well, I want to thank all three of you for joining us to talk about volunteering uh, during the pandemic. Allison Levin, uh, is the volunteer coordinator, the, the head of that for the Washington and Northern Orange Counties Regional Response Command Center. Carrie Stoller is a director of community engagement with Green Mountain United Way. And Monique Priestley is a volunteer with Bradford Resilience. Uh, we're going to take a short break for the news, and when we come back, we're going to speak with three volunteers who are working in their communities right now trying to help with the pandemic. You're listening to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.